we're gonna enjoy this tonight, but on Friday, we're gonna have another team meeting and we're gonna get locked in on next year. Hey everyone, and welcome to Protect the Rock, the Clemson podcast at The Athletic. I am Grace Rayner, and today I am joined by Mike Zimmerman, our awesome producer. Nicole is on a very well-deserved vacation, and Mike, we have had some pretty big NFL draft slash stay in school news since Clemson's national championship. Yeah, and I think it, it certainly will have a big impact on the 2020 season. Um, you know, there was a real big positive, you know, a few losses, uh, but we'll get into those. But yeah, it's um, it was a busy week for Clemson, a lot of announcements, and uh, we'll dive right into them. Yeah, okay, so let's start with the obvious, Travis Etienne. Mm-hmm. Um, this was one that I think stunned a lot of people, us included, Um Travis, I don't know, at the end of the national championship game, he had kind of spoken in a way that I got the sense that he he was done. He just kind of spoke in a way that was very reflective and just kind of felt like he was moving on. But at the very end of his media availability, press conference, whatever you want to call it, he had kind of sounded like he was leaving the door open a little bit. And then I think we just didn't believe him. And then lo and behold, here we are. Yeah, I, I, think, I think this announcement really, you know, is a it's a wake up call for just all football fans because you know the entire season we kind of just even you know expected him to leave, um, but I, I guess now we need to expect everybody to stay and if they leave then you know then it's a surprise, um, but you know for the most part we just expect every junior who's going to be drafted in the top what four rounds to leave. Uh, it, it this was a shock to everybody, and I think for Clemson, I think it puts them right back into uh, national championship contender. I mean, even if he did leave, they still would have been there. But now I think they might be the overwhelming favorite. Right now, I think like before he left, you pencil them in. Now mm-hmm. that he's back, or sorry, before he made his decision, you pencil them in. Now that he's back, you pin them in. Like oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. So let's talk about. I guess the biggest confusion here, and we'll never really know. Um, but the biggest question here is, okay, first of all, is this a risk? Which it is. Um, obviously, he knows good and well he's risking getting hurt. But um, I guess what I'm curious about is where he was kind of projected in the 2020 draft and was it low enough to where he felt like he still had something to prove? I, I mean, I kind of felt like we had seen everything that we needed to see from him. And I don't know how you're an NFL scout who's not just drooling over the possibility of him being on your team when you see him run especially the way he breaks tackles but I don't know I've read that he was maybe second third round I know you thought that he was obviously a lot higher than that but what do you make I guess of where he was projected well I I guess the the big thing about the NFL draft uh this year is everybody was saying how this is like you know one of the deepest running back classes uh, you're ever going to see. I mean, you've got guys like DeAndre Swift from Georgia, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. Um, Dobbins. Well, Dobbins leaving Ohio State early. Cam Akers from Florida State. I mean, there's so many good running backs, which so I understand that. But then you get guys like Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State deciding to stay, Najee Harris from Alabama staying, and now ETN staying. So I, I would have understood if, you know, a few of those other running backs declared thinking, okay, you know, let me try and go into a, a draft being like the top top running back. That might not be the case next year, and it even might be deeper next year. So it's, I, I understand it from a personal standpoint where, okay, maybe he, there's other things on his mind. You had mentioned uh, before we went on air, maybe getting a degree. Um, 
but I, I think the depth at both classes this year and next year are, are going to be essentially the same. Now, maybe he wants to work on a few weaknesses that, that he has that he's heard from uh, NFL scouts. So I, I'm guessing that's the reason why he decided to come back to win and to work on some of the um, some of the weaknesses he thought he has in his game. Yeah, this this 2021 class just got sneaky deep. Um, so wait, so when did the other two announce they were staying? Was Travis was after both of them, right? Because obviously, yeah, Clemson was still Hub- playing. I believe Chuba Hubbard announced the day of the national championship game. Okay, so he made his decision knowing full well both of those guys are going to be back. Yeah, yeah. So I, like I said, I think that has to. If that's the case, it has to be a more personal decision um, with him wanting to work on himself rather than worrying about who else is you know, in a draft class with him. I think this also speaks to how much he has, I mean, obviously enjoyed his Clemson experience and just how close he's gotten with Clemson's running back coach and offensive coordinator, Tony Elliott, because Mm -hmm. I don't know, I thought it was really interesting. So Tony is always extremely candid and I love talking to him because you always know exactly what he's thinking. And even after the national championship game, of course, obviously that came up. Travis has a decision to make. And, um, you know, he he was like very upfront in that we need to have a conversation. First contracts for NFL running backs are really important. This is the position where you are the least likely to get a second contract, you know. Um, So I, I feel like I don't know. There was just a part of me even after the ACC championship game. Tony just looked a little sad and, and, and he had even said this. These might be my final days coaching Travis. I don't know. I just kind of got the feeling that Clemson or at least at least his running backs coach was preparing himself for the possibility of this of this being over. Now, let me ask you this. Say this does work out for Travis. Say he improves his draft stock. Say he somehow, you know, elevates himself into first round status with with another um, you know, great season. Would that then influence other players in this Clemson program to maybe stay for their senior year? Would they look at him and say, "Wow, you know, Travis for, you know, he decided to come back." Uh, he improved his his draft stock, and now look at him. You know, could could you see guys like maybe even Justin Ross next year deciding to you know come back then for his senior year, if um, you know if if Travis really elevates his draft stock here, could that maybe help some future Clemson players make a decision, seeing what Travis would eventually do? I think they'll think about it. Whether or not it'll actually change their mind, I don't know. But And this is something I want to ask Travis once we see him when spring practice starts is, okay, how much of your decision was influenced by Christian Wilkins, Cleveland Farrell, Austin Bryant? All three of those guys came back, obviously. And then, we, I mean, for sure, they play different positions, obviously. But they were kind of the um, the textbook, like, golden children for – what can happen if you forgo the draft, you come back, you win a national title, and your grade goes up, and then, you know, three of the four Clemson defensive linemen are first-rounders in 2019. So I don't know if he talked to them. I don't know if that played into his decision. But I think at the end of the day, if this works out for him, we're going to call him a genius. If he gets hurt, everyone's probably going to crucify him. Like, I think the narrative is going to be sort of however it yeah, however I, it shakes out, which is not fair, but that's kind of what's going to happen. I I understand that, but also I think it, it. I don't think it would hurt coming back for your senior year. Just I mean, in terms of football, yes, but there are so many other positives. You come back, get your degree. You know, you graduate. There are other things, and even if he does get hurt, he's still going to get drafted. You know, nobody's going to pass up on a talent like 
like Travis Etienne, it might not be as high as if he were healthy, but he would still get drafted and still have an opportunity to play in the NFL with a degree as well. So, you know, yes, an injury would, you know, hurt him, but I don't think it would be the end of his football career and, and be such a, a drastic thing. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that he would still, I mean, this guy and Dabo Sweeney even said it, like we're going to probably look up a few years from now and assuming Travis's senior season goes how we think it will, I, I he has to make an argument, right? Is the, one of the best running backs in college football? Like, absolutely. I, I I don't think that I think that's hands down the case. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna a, a, a team just I don't know. I just don't know how you you look at him and you look at his what is it? How many how many yards per carry did he have this year? It was um, I'm gonna look it up right now. I think he's very 7.8. Yeah, he's very similar to a like a Willis McGahee guy from Miami where he he just happened to play at at the university at you know their most dominant period mm-hmm. and it just it, it seems like his numbers are video games. You know and and I think that when you know you look back 5 10 years uh and you look at what Travis did, you're going to say wow, like we took that for granted. I think so, yeah. I mean, so I remember, and so you and I actually don't, didn't know each other at the, at this point, so I'm curious if you remember this, but Travis's freshman year, he comes on campus, he's this kid from small town Louisiana, he still has his braces on, no one really knows who he is because Clemson got him so late in the recruiting process, he comes in to Clemson, he's the fourth string running back, which is a sentence that I can't believe I'm saying out loud, but he's a fourth string running back, Clemson goes to Louisville, and it was supposed to be this big prime time. You know, Lamar Jackson is still there at this point. Um, I I believe game day was there. Don't quote me on that. But it was supposed to be this big blow, this this big huge showdown. And Clemson ends up kind of blowing him out. And in the fourth quarter, they put Travis in for garbage time. And the play call is for him to hit the A gap. But instead, he takes it 81 yards up the sideline for his first career touchdown. Do you remember this? I, I remember the game. I don't necessarily remember the exact play, but I do remember, you know, all the hype going in and then Clemson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. So that moment was, I think that was the first moment where, I, like, I will I will never forget Travis's first touchdown, just seeing him, because that was kind of the, we had heard so much about him in fall camp, and this kid is really explosive, and he's broken off more long runs than we've ever seen, and but you're always you're still just kind of wondering, okay, then why is he your fourth stringer? Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets in there and he busts open that 81 yarder, and I think that was probably the beginning of okay, this is how fast this kid is. This is the potential that he has. And then once he learned the playbook, obviously there are still questions about his pass protection. But as he matured and that kind of stuff, he he became what he is now. But I do think in hindsight, the writing was on the wall. Maybe we just didn't see it as much as we should have yeah I mean as a young freshman that's kind of you know a play and a moment where you announce yourself to I guess the Clemson fans and then as his career went on he announced himself to to the national audience as well but yeah I think that that's a great introduction for him you know in a primetime game like that and where he was able to get playing time towards the end of the game and just showed you know wow bang like in a split second he he, he can hit a home run like that yeah, definitely. Okay, so what do you think about we and we talked about this a little off air. If you're looking at Travis, the glaring weakness has been pass protection. He sometimes doesn't pick up blitzes. I guess like how important do you think? I'm not saying that it's not important at the next level because it is, but how important do you think it is when you do know that you have 
the explosiveness as a ball carrier that he has. I I, I think the only thing with, with pass protection in the NFL is it just makes you more a more complete back, and you don't have to come off the field. You know, you see guys in the NFL who are Fair. first are first and second down backs, and then they'll bring in a third down back who's more of a pass protector. And I think if Travis works on that and becomes a more all around back, he can be more of a a three down back and doesn't have to worry about coming out of the game and, and splitting time with a running back. Uh, I, I think it just, he makes himself more available. And I think that's what he would like to do. And I think if that's his big weakness, I think he'll most certainly work on that, not only in spring and fall, but, but during the season as well. Yeah. That was something that going into this year, he spent a lot of time on. And then the other thing that he spent a lot of time on, and we talked about this off air also is um, catching the ball. I mean, this was something that he didn't do super well as a sophomore and just really made an effort going into 2019. He would stay after practice with Trevor Lawrence, figure out, okay, what, what's going wrong here? And, you know, this was not really something that his high school asked him to do. Um, but to his credit, in 2019, 37 catches, four touchdowns. 2018, 12 catches, two touchdowns. Not only did he become better at pass catching, he became a legit threat, you know, where you needed to worry about him coming out of the backfield. You know, his his sophomore year, he was, you know, yes, he's explosive. If he gets the ball in his hands, he could, you know, do some damage. His junior year this year, it was, we can't let him catch the ball out of the backfield. And I think that's a, that's a big jump from sophomore year to junior year. And I think that, that helps him. You know, we're talking about him being an all-around back. I think that certainly helps him, and it, it separates him from a lot of the other running backs uh, in in not only this draft but next year's draft as well. Do you think so? The big talk at Clemson this year was how he was kind of snubbed for the Doak Walker Award. Um, he was not a finalist, and Clemson was very um, quick to point out their displeasure with that, mm-hmm. but. What do, you, what do you think? You think he wins it? So I, I think, do I think he's going to win it this year? In 2020, yeah. Oh, there are so many good running backs. I'll First, sa- okay, wait, let me walk that back. First, do you think he's a finalist? Yes. Oh, I, I thought he was a finalist this year. Um, I did too. Now, again, that's not taking anything away from the other great finalists because there are so many good running backs this year and there will be next year. I'll say this. I think he was snubbed in being a finalist. Now, do I think he should have won it? That's a different discussion. I, I, if he did, I wouldn't have said, oh, you know, it's ridiculous. He didn't deserve it. But I'm not saying the others didn't deserve it as well. I do think he deserved to be a finalist this past year, and I think he will be one in 2020. Now, whether he wins it and deserves it, you know, that that's up for debate. But being a finalist, I think it most definitely. You're actually a really good person to ask about this because you – so how many podcasts do you oversee at The Athletic so Six? So I do six, yes. Okay. So you – on a national scale, you watch a ton of college football. Correct, yes. So, okay. So I think – I've always been curious because, I mean, it's no secret that I really only watch Clemson every single week. So a lot of people have thought that maybe Travis's snub – was because people are just not watching and because Clemson's games were just so boring when they were blowing people out by 30. And then also the fact that he was really only getting 13.8 carries a game. He wasn't even getting 14 carries a game. And he was basically done in every fourth quarter. Well, I, so, I, I think that's I think that's spot on because I think you, you think can, that's fair. I think there are two other cases that are very similar to that. You look at, and actually both Stanford running backs, Toby Gerhardt and Christian McCaffrey from Stanford. Mm, Christian McCaffrey's a really good one, yeah. Christian McCaffrey deserved the Heisman that year. 
And well, did you see a tw- that tweet um, from our colleague Jordan Rodrigo a few months ago? That yes. basically, yeah, like a Heisman voter went up to Christian. What did he say? Like, I didn't watch your games. Uh, yeah, exactly. Which, and, like, and at I, that point, revoke your revoke this guy's vote. And and I think that's, I think that was more West Coast where they played later. Uh, yeah. In Clemson and Travis's case, it was none of the games were really big and none of them mattered. So nobody, you know, everybody assumed Clemson was going to just you know blow out whoever they're playing, and, and it was true. But I don't think you need to. I don't think you can punish a player because of that. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious too to see, like, okay, like, is is Trevor Lawrence now going to compete with Travis again for the Heisman conversation again for the ACC Player of the Year conversation? Yeah. Like, basically, basically, they're going to take votes away from each other. Yeah. They they probably will. Yeah. They probably will. Um. But I don't know. I mean, I'm excited. I, from a media standpoint, I am stoked to to get another year with Travis. I find him to be really engaging. I think he's um ac- accidentally funny, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. He just has this like, it sounds cliche, but I really have not been around a player that seems to just be so unaware of how great they are, like Travis is. Like I just don't know that he fully understands how crazy good of a football player he is and i find that refreshing well you know there's two other crazy good football players that did declare for the draft uh from clemson t higgins and isaiah simmons yes what are how much of an impact will that have on clemson with those two leaving so okay i think that and this is not a knock on t whatsoever it's actually a a hat tip to clemson i think the wide receiver room is going to be fine Mm -hmm. that room is just so crazy deep and every single year, they're, they've got these six three, six four guys on the outside. So I think that solution is actually pretty easy. I think you slide Justin Ross over into the boundary, which is Clemson's marquee spot where T was. So you put Ross in the boundary. And then in the field, I mean, take your pick. Joseph Ngata, Frank Gladson Jr., Amari Rogers returns to the slot. Like, I don't know. Like, T was one of the best wide receivers I've ever seen play. And... I, I didn't cover Clemson when New Hopkins and Sammy Watkins were there, but to me, T is like that, probably that one Clemson wide receiver I will always remember just for how insanely good he was. Um, but I think they're okay depth-wise in the receiver's room. Now, Isaiah Simmons, that's... That's where I think it gets harder. I was going to say, that's the big loss, especially on a defense that, you know, we, we looked at the, the 2018 um, defense and, you know, mentioned the the defensive line depth and how you know how great they were this year it was kind of it kind of almost seemed that Isaiah Simmons was carrying everybody you know he did everything played safety played linebacker if he needed to play DN I'm sure you could put him there um I I think that's where the big hole is going to be on 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 Clemson's defense with with Simmons leaving it's who's going to fill all those different spots that he that he that he filled I mean it's it's almost like you need four different guys to 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 fill what Isaiah Simmons did. And I don't know if Clemson has that. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, they, they're bringing in the number one recruiting class. They've got, you know, they have top recruiting classes year in and year out. I'm sure they can find talent to do that. But it's so hard to, to, to find maybe one player that does everything Isaiah did. Everything. I'm So I'm looking at a tweet right now um, from Jordan Reed, and he's quoting Pro Football Focus, and it breaks down Isaiah's snap count at each position. Ready for this? This is actually pretty crazy when it's all in one place. Okay. Inside linebacker, 27. Outside linebacker, 21. 
D-line, 9, strong safety, 8, slot corner, 7, free safety, 6, outside corner, 6. Yeah. Six tackles, two QB hurries, two pass breakups, and a sack. And that was, yeah, he tweeted this last week, January 14th. So, I mean, Isaiah is just, I just don't know. Like, again, you've seen more national college football than I have because I really only watch Clemson on Saturdays as intently as that. But have you seen anyone in college football this season like him? No, I'll say it's not necessarily his talent because, yes, he's very talented and everything like that. It's his versatility. How he's yeah. how he's his body allows him to play every single position. He's not too big for cornerback. He's not too small and slow uh, for safety. He's he's big enough and fast enough to play linebacker. He's quick enough to to rush the passer. It's just everything that every one of those positions need. He has, and I, I, I maybe it's just a freak thing where we're never going to see or, or not for a while, a player that can do everything like that, at least on Clemson. I think the versatility is what makes him special more so than just his natural gifted talent. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I don't think there's an, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the depth chart the other day and Mike Jones jr. Is technically his backup and with no offense to Mike Jones jr. But it just makes you, it just makes you realize there's Brent Venable's, I, I don't think he has anyone like Isaiah, and I don't know when he will again. I mean, mm-hmm. and Brent, I think, deserves a lot of credit for Isaiah's development. You know, he doesn't – Isaiah's not this successful if Brent can't figure out a way to scheme around him and to use him in the way that he did. But I don't know. I mean, this is a kid that when Venables walked in and met for the first time when Isaiah was in high school, and I mean, you know by now, Isaiah was also a really late sign. Mm-hmm. Um that, Dabo really had no idea who he was until a week or so before signing day. Nobody knew who he was. No, yeah, that, isn't that crazy? Um, but Brent walks in and 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 sees Isaiah through the glass of the weight room and and looks at Isaiah's high school coach and is like, okay, this is what they look like when they leave us. Yeah, you know, not oh, yeah. when they get here. It, it's it's incredible. Just the thing, I think you're going to see the difference next year when you watch this Clemson defense. And not saying they won't be good because they they can be as good as anybody in the country. But I think sure. you're going you're going to notice all the things that Isaiah did this year. You're not going to see next year, and you're just going to be like, wow. Like I'm just so used to seeing somebody, you know, playing one side of the field and coming over, sort of like what we saw in the semifinal game against Ohio State, the interception. He came halfway across the field to make that interception. And I just, you're not going to see that out of any player. Yeah. What I, selfishly, what I'm sad about is that, and whatever, like Travis should not make his decision on this, but we all thought we were going to get round three of mm-hmm. Travis and Isaiah's race yeah. at the Combine. Yeah. And I'm like actually really bummed we're not going to get to see it. I, I, yeah, it's going to have to be a year separate. You're going to have to take Isaiah's time and then next year Travis's time. Right. Although, do you think do you think they need to run at the Combine? No, I, I don't think players like that, no. I, I don't think I don't think they need, they need to do anything. Um I, I think their game tape speaks for themselves. You know, what what more could they possibly add? Um, that you can't see on film, you know, a 40, right. t- a 40 times not going to put them up, uh, higher than they need to be. Um, I-, I think we've learned over the years that 40 time is nothing. Um, you know, cause how many times is a player going to run in a straight line without pads? That's never, <laughs> right. go- it's never going to happen. So I, I don't think they need maybe, maybe a few other, you know, uh, the, you know, three cone drills, see how quick they are. I-, I think that's more important because that's, 
that's more relatable to the game of football. You know, how quick are you, you know, in a, in a five, 10 yard span? Um, sure. But not running straight for 40 yards. I'm looking at Dane Brugler from the Athletics mock draft now, and he has Isaiah going nine overall to the Jaguars. And then with Higgins, he has him going 22 overall to the Buffalo Bills, which I think would actually be really interesting. I think that actually makes a lot of sense. I, I think that would be really good, especially for Josh Allen, a young quarterback, him getting a T Higgins like that. That could be a uh, a quarterback receiver duo uh, we see for the next 10 years. That would, that would be very interesting to see. I would that actually enjoy that. would be super interesting. Yeah, Dane wrote, which this actually blows my mind, that the Bills' top three wide receivers in 2019 were all under 5'10", and Higgins is obviously, what, 6'4"? Yeah, yeah. Dang, that'd be crazy. Okay, the last person Clemson is losing to the draft is A.J. Terrell, cornerback. I thought he had a really good season and a not good showing in the national championship, and that's kind of what people will remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but NFL scout-wise, obviously, they look at the big picture. They look at the film. What do you think of, of that decision and, and kind of where he lands? I, I, think, I think he had to make that decision to go, uh, especially with cornerback. It's you know, you have a great season, you need to go because you have a game like the national championship game. And now everybody, he's under a microscope. Everybody's ripping apart. Oh my God. You know who he says the worst game of his career. It's very easy to, to have a bad game. And then the perception of you gets flipped. So I think if you have an opportunity to go to the NFL, you go do it because you know, who, who knows, say he has a couple bad games next year. It's not necessarily going to change who he is as a player, but the perception of him is certainly going to change. Yeah, and I think perception, at especially if you're a corner at Clemson specifically, mm-hmm. where the biggest knock is there's no one on your schedule, you don't see anyone. I mean, even LSU's wide receivers straight up said we felt like they didn't really see any competitive matchups all year and wanted to expose that. So I think there's perception, and then there's perception, whether it's fair or not, that, that Clemson has to deal with on another level. Yeah, and, and I think I also think cornerback is another deep position Clemson has you know they're very young so I don't think Terrell leaving will leave a big hole it may take a year but I think they've got plenty of talent it's young but they've got plenty of talent to eventually fill uh the secondary yeah and I think they feel really good about Darian Kendrick who Mm -hmm. they kind of threw him over there not really not as an experiment but you know this is a kid who was a wide receiver a year ago and played quarterback in high school um but decided, all right, let's see what he's like as a corner, and he had a really good year. Yeah, just be an athlete, go out there, and uh, and use your talent. And I think that's I think that's one of the reasons why they're not going to miss Terrell as much um, as say a, a, you know an Isaiah Simmons is because they've got guys who can do what's do somewhat of of a good job. It won't be as a glaring hole as as losing Isaiah Simmons would be. Sure, I would agree with that. Looking at Dane's thing, he has AJ 57 to the Houston Texans, which would continue a very long pipeline of Clemson players to the Houston Texans. Yeah, join New Hopkins. Deshaun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a whole lot of them. Oh, yeah. All right, well, let's see. Are we missing anything? Um, Niles Pinckney has returned. Um, Amari Rogers will be back. We know Travis will be back. I think that should cover all of the underclassmen are they leaving? Are they staying? Decisions. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the big one was Travis. Obviously, we we covered a lot of that, but um, you know, it, it's it's interesting to see who's staying, who's going, and how this team will take shape in twenty twenty. 
Yeah, definitely. Speaking of who is staying, who is going, um, The Athletic is rolling out a depth chart series this week. So I will have Clemson's projected offensive depth chart on Tuesday, defense on Wednesday. Um, You can get all that good stuff there. It is going to be a massive makeover for this offensive line, and we'll get into that. Um, But for now, I am Grace Rayner. He's Mike Zimmerman. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you soon. 